Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, largely on Wednesday, we saw the holiday malaise settle into these markets, although we did leak a little bit lower as we got later in Wednesday's session. But overall, a fairly quiet trade as we near the Christmas holiday. We're going to talk about it, though, and try to make it interesting here today on Market Talk. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coming up on today's show, we're going to have a conversation with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Probably the last time we talked to Mike here before the end of 2023. So want to get his thoughts and perspective on these markets as we race towards Christmas and New Year's and just some things uh, that he wants folks to keep in mind here as they look at their marketing plans and more as we wrap up the year. No doubt uh, we'll be listening in uh, to what he has to say here pretty closely as we get into segment two and three today. So uh, looking forward to that conversation uh, with Mike Zuzel coming up here in just a little while. I'll also have a few uh, news headlines to wrap up the show today. It's a fairly quiet time in ag, but there's still some stories that we're keeping tabs on here as we near the end of the year. So we'll get to that coming up in segment four today. As I mentioned, the grain markets, largely, we were trading around unchanged throughout the entire day, overnight and into the day session, just a penny or two either side of unchanged in corn and soybeans. We did start to leak the markets, though, a little bit lower as we got into Wednesday's afternoon trade with the wheat market kind of leading to the downside. We saw a mixed bag in cattle and hogs as well with the cattle trade. Trying to find a little bit of green on the screen. Largely uh, feels like we're squared up positions ahead of Friday's cattle on feed report and quarterly hogs and pigs report. Both those will be out after the close on the day Wednesday or on the day Friday, excuse me. And then uh, the energies and stocks were really quiet on the day Wednesday as well. Not a whole lot of movement there. Crude oil did uh, pull back from being up about 1% though on the day. And got back near the unchanged mark. So a few things of note. Uh, first up here on the show, let's get some analysis from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday on Wednesday as the markets were really quiet before things started to leak a little bit lower. But Arlen shares some good uh, perspective and points as we're watching this market trade move towards Christmas. We start with the grains, we talk livestock, and we wrap it up with the outside markets, energies and stocks as well. Here is commentary with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex, starting with the grain trade. 
Yeah, it really is. You, you even look at the outside markets, pretty quiet as well. Even it acts as if the algos are on vacation today, and we know that's not the case. So maybe they'll provide some life at times. But as we look at today's markets, I would say soybeans are waiting to see how the rains shape up in Brazil. Right now, we're seeing a little bit wetter outlook here in the next few days. There's still questions about the extended outlook. There's still going to be about a quarter of the belt. Looks like it's going to be left uh, missing out on these rains. So we'll see how that plays out, whether the rains exceed or disappoint once again. Uh, on the wheat side, we're seeing more disappointment uh, because of a big sale of wheat by Russia to Egypt. That really kind of confirms that Russia is going to continue to undercut world prices, just trying to dump as much wheat as they can on the world market. And uh, so that's weighing on wheat features here in the, in the United States as a result, with exports continuing to disappoint here. Corn's kind of caught in the middle, but in, in the process, continuing to leak lower, erode lower. Looking at where that December contract went off the board with the March now trying to drop down toward that level. And if it's going to do so, it has about another 15 cents or so to go if it's going to reach that objective. Over in the livestock trade, it's pretty quiet there as well. I know we've talked about the uh, quarterly hogs and pigs report and the cattle on feed reports uh, coming up Friday after the close. In terms of the estimates on that cattle on feed report, looked like the estimates uh, 102 is kind of what I've seen for an on feed estimate. And it looked like a fairly narrow range of estimates uh, by many traders. So maybe that gives us a little more confidence that that's probably where that number could come in. I, I know that's speculation, Arlen, but your thoughts as we uh, kind of square things up ahead of those reports. Yeah, we've had several months now of bearish surprises in those cattle on feed reports and market kind of bracing for it a little bit. Uh, in, in your right on expectations being for on feed numbers to be a little over 2% above year ago levels as we pulled cattle forward and really concentrated them and filled those feedlots in recent months. Placements, though, this time around expected to be down about uh, uh, 4.1% from year-ago levels with marketings down about 6.7% from year-ago year levels. And those lower marketings also would help account for the higher on-feed numbers. Um, after three large months of placements, August, September, and October, this November placement total that will be reported on Friday would be an eight-year low for this month if, in fact, it verifies pulled ahead placements earlier this fall, sharply lower feed prices and resulting lower auction volumes, limited feed yard, pen space availability, all seem as factors limiting placements in the month of November. And real quick, those outside markets too. I know we mentioned this, uh, stocks uh, watching quiet trade in stocks and energies, but you know, the stock market's been setting record highs based on those expectations of lower interest rates here uh, moving into 2024. And I know that's something that has got to be on traders' minds here as they uh, head home for the holiday break is just watching the strength in stocks overall. Yeah, as we've seen, stocks um, make some record moves, uh, record highs. And uh, it's an optimism created by declining crude oil markets. Uh, market that took about $25 off, although it's rebounding now with Red Sea uh, safety concerns for passenger ships. Uh, we've seen gasoline prices plummet to two-year lows. Uh, ov overall, the, the interest rates drop in, in, in the sense of stock market going higher is giving a boost to consumer confidence. We saw consumer confidence in for December surged to 110.7 exceed 
exceeding the high end of trade expectations uh, with consumers feeling better about the economy. And that's resulted in a, a resurgence in house sales as well. Existing home sales and the housing market index both rising this week. Um, and that could create some problems for the Fed going forward, trying to hit its 2% inflation um, target and may have it rethinking its more dovish stance that it took uh, last week. And once again, that is comments from our midday commentary with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stone X, as we watch the markets be relatively quiet on the day Wednesday. Although, again, as I was mentioning, we did leak a little bit lower uh, throughout the grains as we went into the afternoon on Wednesday. And uh, so that was um, a bit of a disappointment as we wrapped up Wednesday's session. It'll be uh, interesting definitely to see just what all happens here uh, in this trade the next couple of days ahead as we race towards Christmas. And then uh, we'll have the Christmas break, of course, and then we'll get back to things uh, next week and looking at a real quiet week next week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. That is typical each and every year. Well, what are traders watching, though, as we enter a quiet time of year? Sounds like maybe South American weather's a big driving point. We got some shipping concerns around the world as well. We're going to talk about the markets up next with Mike Zuzolo from Global Commodity Analytics. He'll join us on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, joining us now for a market conversation, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks for joining us. So I got to ask here to start things off. Are we uh, moving this market into the holiday mode or could we maybe find a Santa Claus rally here? Uh, what are you watching in this market trade after Wednesday's close, Mike? Let's start there. I think we should still find the Santa Claus rally, especially in the corn, Jesse. We've seen it in the cattle market as expected. Santa has already answered our presence, gotten us our presence on that. That comes on the heels of, I think, strong demand in the consumer side of the equation during this holiday season, but also because of the new all-time highs in the equities markets and the new all-time high last month when it came to the gold market earlier this month in the gold market. And I think this is where the, the Federal Reserve really set up, I think, a Santa Claus rally for riskier assets. And today, while we, while we talk, we're hitting four-month lows this week now in the uh, U.S. dollar. We're hitting four-month highs in the copper. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these really sensitive assets that we've tracked all year long would be suggesting that we should be getting some real strength and short covering in the grains, especially the corn market where the managed money funds have been so short. But instead, and, and this is a big part and a big feature of why I do independent analysis is because it's like a quality control uh, scenario where I'm always glad to be right. But when I'm wrong, I've really got to hunt down to figure out why I was wrong so that I can improve the analysis as I go along. And I was expecting the corn to find a lot of support this week off of these other assets and off of the fact that, yes, while the South American weather is improving um, and it's, it's stabilizing, I think we've got a lot of damage already done in the corn market. So I think this is where I think that what's happening now is um, as, as the week has drawn 
gone through and we haven't seen any kind of improvement in the Red Sea and we haven't seen any improvement between the U.S. and Mexico uh, rail lines that are shut down. I think investors are starting to get very nervous about the grains, specifically corn, when it comes to Mexican corn especially. Well, I just had this up on the video screen. I'll pull this back. I know you uh, sent me over this uh, Santa Fed picture <laughs> and obviously uh, having a little fun here, but largely thinking about, you know, some of those impacts of the outside markets that you mentioned and the Fed impacts here as we near the end of the year. But you did bring up the Red Sea issues, and I think that's a, a good point you make as we watch some of the um, problems there and the impact that that is having on global grain flows coupled with what you mentioned with uh, between the U.S. and Mexico on the rail side. But uh, walk us through this Red Sea map. And for folks who may not, you know, maybe they need a, a geography lesson, so to speak here. Why is this Red Sea shipping corridor so important to the market trade and ag trade as a whole? You know, the, there's there's three major uh, bottlenecks in this world when it comes to international trade. And two of them, the Suez Canal now, because of the Red Sea, um, uh, a Hezbollah terrorist network coming in and taking over ships. Um, and then the Panama Canal, obviously, that's really near and dear to us here in the United States. Um, because of the drought there, their loads are going down about to about half of what they normally are by the time we get to February, by the last numbers I saw. And then you've got the Straits over in Asia, um, those right now sitting okay. But two of the three major potential bottlenecks um, that we need to stay open and flowing freely in the world are now really constrained. And I think, as I said a minute ago, and I'll explain in more detail, you throw on top of this the fact that Eagle Pass and El Paso railroads, the U.S.-Mexico ties to the to the, each other in the two railroads. You throw together the this along with the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, and the fact that this map shows you pretty clearly what kind of distance you're going to have to traverse by going around the Cape of Good Hope in Africa if you're trying to get wheat out of Europe or if you're trying to get, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the grains out of the United States in the case of the Panama Canal. Um, this has not gone away. This issue has actually gotten worse as the week has progressed, both in terms of the Suez and in terms of the U.S.-Mexico border and the railroads. And I think this is where the investor class, it, what, in other words, what would explain new contract lows in March corn today, the only thing I can think of is that the trade is becoming more worried about lower commodity demand because of higher transportation costs. And as I said, one of the news wires today, I said, this is getting to be more reminiscent of the pandemic to me. I didn't think I'd have to deal with this when it came to lower commodity demand and deflation and potential global recession because these higher freight rates, transportation costs, if they keep going on, they will slow international trade and could slow it pretty dramatically. Well, let's pull up a corn chart and, and talk a little bit more about this corn market. And I largely felt that corn held up the best on the day, Wednesday. But walk me through what you're seeing on this corn chart and some of the concerns that you uh, have in corn right now. As you mentioned, we've gotten March corn down to those uh, those lows here. So talk about what you're seeing in corn right now. Yeah, we're up against some extremely strong support levels that would say that we don't need to go below the lows of 2019, 
excuse me, the highs of 2019 or the uh, the highs of 2020. Um, and, and that's where the triangle comes into play. You First, you have my value levels for March lead month corn going into uh, the month of March. 487 and a half is my undervalue level. And that's with the fundamentals that we have, supply demand, the idea that Brazil's crop has already been hurt and Ukraine's crop is smaller than what the USDA is suggesting, that we are at a nine-year low in stocks to use ratios in the world because of the damage done to the Brazilian crop and Ukraine, as I said. And also the idea that the January crop report, what will it give us for corn yield? Will we take off a little bit on the corn yield here in the United States? And so we're now 20 cents, 20 roughly 20 cents below undervalue in my analysis. We're right up against that 200-month moving average as resistance, and we're right up against the major support in that triangle uh, from the highs of 2019. And, and at the same time, you notice the very bottom of the chart where the downward arrow is, the stochastics for the monthly chart right now in the middle, later part of December are suggesting a quote buy signal. That means fewer new sellers coming in, more new buyers coming in, in that oscillator. And so this is why I'm looking at the corn so directly and why I feel like the Santa Claus rally should be in play here given the strong demand we saw. I'll, I'll throw one last thing out at you is if you look at this chart in detail, this the stochastic oscillator I use at the bottom of the chart, I've tried to optimize that whenever I get a buy signal, when the, when the green line goes through the purple line, in other words, that is a solid buy signal that historically, if you go back 25 years, that ends up bringing some type of rally or that's what my goal has been. And so we haven't been this low in this oscillator since even before 2020, actually going all the way back to 2014, 2015. And so I take this oscillator very seriously. And that's part of the reason why I feel like we should still have a rally without some new fundamental development. Well, and it's uh, very interesting, you know, as we watch corn too towards the end of the year, I wonder just, I'm hypothesizing a little bit here, Mike, but you know, if we can get a, a decent Santa Claus rally in the next week and a half, would that drive any sort of farmer selling of corn? I largely tend to believe that it's going to have to be 2024 before we see a lot of U.S. farmer corn movement here. Uh, otherwise, I just feel like the Bendors are going to remain shut even if we do get a rally, I guess. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's an excellent point. I think at this stage of the game with where we're at in prices with going through 470 today and lead month corn, yes, basis is coming up some, but I think you're going to need 30 or 40 cents to attract any kind of real selling out of the farmers. Otherwise, I think you're right. They'll wait till February because um, while they do have probably extra bushels that they didn't think they had, I think their their bins were relatively empty as we came into this year. And I'll just throw one more thing on the transportation side that relates to the corn and the grain specifically. And this goes back to the U.S.-Mexico border issue. It's just now getting put out that today, as a matter of fact, that both the BNSF and the UP are starting to give some statistics. And Jesse, we're looking at around $200 million a day and in the month of October, almost $3 billion of transportation moved across those two rail lines back and forth, both north and south. And it's agriculture, it's automotive, it's chemicals. I mean, the, the one of the major farm lobbies in Mexico, 
uh, CNA said this is going to create, quote, huge losses for them if it goes on. And, and then that's why I really want to be careful about saying this market should move higher based upon solely that chart. But everything else I look at would say we should this should be a buying opportunity or a re-ownership opportunity if this U.S.-Mexico thing doesn't last too long, especially. Well, that is the voice of Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. We'll continue our conversation after this here on Market Talk. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance, too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are joined today by Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, uh, another issue that's tied with the Red Sea, I think, as well, is watching, obviously, crude oil and uh, looking at gas prices and more. I, I know that uh, some of the transportation issues on that side of the world can have an impact here and has had an impact here. Uh, as we pull up a chart looking at unleaded and diesel stocks, your thoughts on the Red Sea impacts on the energy markets and also uh, what we're watching here with this chart, Mike? Yeah, it's a tale of two cities, and I'm so glad you brought this up because the Panama Canal is starting to impact us dramatically. New statistics out are suggesting that the U.S. gasoline exports through the Panama Canal in the month of November were down 40 percent, and that means that we're not getting the business to Asia that other countries are. And I think this is going to be really detrimental to the futures market um, in terms of the the price action to the upside in the crude oil market. In other words, we've gotten, rightfully so, a move higher in crude because the Middle East and Red Sea are in the oil intensive areas of the Middle East, but the cash market is suffering from other supply chain issues like the Panama Canal. And so this is going to be one of those situations like we had this year in 2023 of the extreme or the potential extreme between cash versus futures. And I think part of the reason why we saw the unleaded stocks go up, and that's the blue line on this chart, we're almost up at the highest levels since the first quarter of 2023. Um, we're, we're starting to really reach up there in stocks levels, in part because we're not getting the exports out. That's not because of demand, Jesse. It's because of the supply chain. And again, it harkens back to the issues we faced during the pandemic. I want to ask, too, real quick before we go to livestock, I feel like in the case of soybeans and wheat, uh, these markets are largely um, probably going to just be marking time on, on soybeans, watching South American weather, and then wheat. I know we've still got cheap Russian wheat out there on the market. Uh, any notes uh, on, on those two markets here in grains before we go to livestock? No, I was really concerned that when we saw the Egyptian business go all to Russia today, that without dry weather in the hard red wheat belt or completely dry weather in the hard red wheat belt, we would have the longs jump out. And I think that's exactly what they did today for the most part. And I think the one thing to be watching is the weather models are getting drier and missing a lot of the hard red wheat belt. 
but I don't see that really impacting the wheat market and scaring the shorts at this point until we get well into January, maybe after the January WASDE report numbers. Okay, great, great. Let's move over to livestock. We got a couple cattle charts to go through, and I've been uh, mentioning this here all week long. We have a cattle on feed report and a quarterly hogs and pigs report, both coming up Friday after the close. So I know that's a, a focus for many people here this week heading into the Christmas holiday. But let's take a look at this chart first, looking at uh, cattle futures and cash. Uh, walk us through what you're seeing on this chart first here, Mike. Let's set this up. Yeah, this is a great chart because it shows your, your negotiated cash trade in the white line. And so we're trading right around 169 on the negotiated basis with very little being done again this week reportedly. However, weekly supply numbers, weekly domestic red meat production numbers show that we're really finding the cattle out there. And so it's probably a combination of negotiated and formula cattle especially. So that's one of the reasons why I really like this new chart I developed, the negotiated price in white compared to the CME cattle futures. What you see now is the futures, the DEES, which is still the lead month future still has a few, uh, maybe a little bit, about a week more left of life to it. it. It's not as big a volume player as the Feb at this point, but it's still lead month futures. We see a new, a new low in the daily chart um, or in the weekly chart here. And then we see a new high. Actually, that is a daily chart. So we saw an outside day higher in mm -hmm. lead month cattle. The problem with this, Jesse, in this chart in particular is with the futures now above the cash market. As you say, we're going into the cattle on feed report. I never like cattle on feed reports where the placements expectations are higher than the marketings. And that's what we have. We have placements for November at an average of around 96% marketings at an average of 93%. That tends to be negative live cattle, friendly feeder cattle, if that comes out to be the case on the actual report Friday. So I'm inclined to think that the fat cattle futures market, even with this outside day higher, is probably going to be hemmed in uh, after the cattle on feed report if we don't see a bullish report that that cash market um, is going to need to adjust higher before the futures can go any higher if we don't see any better marketings than that for November. Well, on that note as well, I'll flip charts here over to a, a monthly live cattle chart that you sent me as well. And, and just looking at this trend in fat cattle futures here that we've seen the last couple of months, let's dovetail off that first chart to this chart. What are you seeing here and what should we really keep in mind and perspective here as we head towards that report coming up on Friday? Yeah, I think the biggest thing to watch is this modeling that I've been doing against the 2014-2015 highs that we had. And we did find a recovery in early 2015 that lasted into the early spring months. Um, I think we're in that type of a mindset again with a recovery in the fat cattle market bearing what we just talked about. The interesting thing about this chart is, is the green line, the major long-term backbone of the uptrend did hold on a monthly basis. We're now back on a monthly basis to last month's range. We're in the low end of the range in the, in the live cattle. Feeders were actually above 
uh, last month's uh, closing basis at this point. And we're actually trading a positive month now in the feeder cattle market. And so these are really crucial charts to be watching with this report right around the corner. And knowing that we can't trade these types of numbers on Friday because we'll be off on Monday. So expect extreme volatility. And as a cattleman, as a rancher, um, and as a technician too, um, watch that green line. If we close below that monthly, on a monthly basis in live cattle, back below that green line, we're probably going to test that major moving average in blue. We don't want to see that green line again as we close out the month of December. So beware of that roughly 10 days before the end of the month. Be on the lookout for that. And that's, I think, to, to say something on, on my side and the analytical side of the equation is, this is what I do for clients and subscribers, try and lay stuff out there to try and peek around the corner and be ready for some surprises, maybe. Good thoughts. That quarterly hogs and pigs report, too, coming up on Friday. Uh, this hog market's been depressing, um, really lack of a better term. I wonder, any thoughts on that quarterly hogs and pigs report coming up? C could we see any sort of bullish surprise, do you think, or Largely, we're just going to churn this market through the end of the year, Mike. What do you think? Well, we've got the Chinese hog market back against us. It's a major headwind again. I think we've lost around 8%, 7 8% this week so far in the Dalian futures. And so that's the problem with the, the kept for breeding number and the Chinese hog market are my biggest problems, Jesse, heading into 2024. And I say kept for breeding because what we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, was mm -hmm. the idea that are we liquidating on two continents, the two biggest hog producers in the world? Are we both liquidating right now? The average guess on kept for breeding on that hogs and pigs is just under 99%. I hope it's even lower than that. I would not want to see uh, or excuse me, I hope it's at least that. And and I would love to see that it's closer to 100%. Um, I, I don't want to see a big liquidation number. So that means the lower the kept for breeding number goes, the more liquidation pressure we're going to probably have to face in the first quarter of 2024. Final thoughts from you, Mike. Uh, always do appreciate your time. Uh, I know this will be the last time you and I talk in 2023. Uh, as we get ready to roll the calendar to next year, what do you want farmers and ranchers to remember? I have to think, you know, it's a quiet time of year, but still want to be on our toes as far as our risk management. So any final thoughts for folks here to think about over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think the only thing I would say is the volatility is not going to get better. It's going to get worse because geopolitics is is going to make sure of that, Jesse. And okay. I think it was the uh, World Bank that came out this week and talked about Cold War II. And you and I have talked about the New East and the New West. Well, it's catching on. And unfortunately, it's catching on in a negative way. So that we really don't want to, you know, just kind of drop down in terms of the priority of the marketing side of the equation. Well, Mike, I know if folks want to reach out to you with questions and check out your analysis, they could do that very easily. How can they reach you? Yeah, best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com, globalcom with two M's, research.com, and check out our product services. I'll be putting up a calendar of some upcoming uh, meetings that I'll be doing. And uh, just have a great Christmas, Jesse. And I hope all the listeners and all the viewers out there have a great Christmas as well. Well, I thank you very much. Once again, Mike Zuzalo there with Global Commodity Analytics, our guest analyst today here on Market Talk. Do appreciate it as always.
All right, let's uh, wrap this up, take a look at some of the closing numbers from Wednesday before we get to the break here on the show. March corn was down three, 469 at three quarters. July corn down two and a quarter, 492 and a half. January beans, four and a quarter lower, 1308 and a quarter. March beans down six and three quarters at 1315 to three quarters. January bean meal down 330 a ton, 399.90. Bean oil, January down 17 points at 5056. March Chicago wheat, 12 and three quarters lower at 610. July was down 10 and a half at 628. Kansas City HRW futures, March down 16 and a half, 625. July down 14, 634 and a half. March spring wheat down 10 and a quarter, 718. July down eight and a half at 735 and a half. Oats for March, six and a half lower, 378 and three quarters. Over in livestock, December live cattle 157 higher, 170.02. February up 152, 170.30. April live cattle up 115, 173.82. Feeder cattle January 215 higher, 224.05. March up 255, 225.75. February hogs down 32, 70.22. April down 67, 76.92. All right, coming up, we'll take a look at news headlines before we wrap up the show. Back with more on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for sticking with us here today. Jesse Allen back with you. Let's take a look at some ag news headlines before we wrap up the show here today. Well, Congress will have about eight legislative days when lawmakers return in January to pass trillions in spending to avoid shutting down USDA and a handful of other agencies. It all comes down to interpreting a deal, the one ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made with President Biden last spring that formalized a top-line spending figure but had a handshake side deal for billions to soften cuts. New Speaker Mike Johnson says he wasn't part of that handshake deal and will only abide by the formal figure written into the Fiscal Responsibility Act. We're all hands on deck on the appropriations bills. As we know, we have looming deadlines and, and we all agreed on that. But what we also agreed to was what's written in the law, and that's the FRA numbers on top line. Without a full agreement, funding runs out on January 19th for USDA, its food agencies, transportation, housing and urban development and veterans programs, followed on February 2nd by state, defense, commerce, labor, HHS and others. But Senate Appropriations Chair Democrat Patty Murray lays the blame for any shutdown on Republicans. Three months into this current fiscal year, House Republicans want to pull the rug out from the rest of us and go back on their word and the deal that they cut. But Murray's reference to the deal includes the tens of billions in the Biden-McCarthy informal side agreement Johnson rejected. The speaker also refuses to do more short-term spending extensions and threatens to trigger automatic across-the-board cuts without agreement on individual agency spending bills by April 30th. Well, despite a drop in key operating costs, Robobank says contracted margins in 2023 will continue into the new year. 
Soybean farmers are likely to achieve good margins in the 2024 season, but corn farmers will feel their margins pressured by ample supply. Wheat margins are unlikely to see better margins despite declining costs. Trends are indicating that the markets are at a pivotal point. Rabobank says uncertainty rises from factors like record Brazilian crops, more adequate crops in the U.S. and Europe, and expectations of another record crop in Brazil in 2024. Now, global domestic demand for key crops declined, which points to building stocks and lower prices. Weather challenges and geopolitical instability coupled with economic uncertainty prompt consideration of a risk premium in the market. Robobank says corn exhibits the least upside potential, with wheat presenting the highest upside potential. Soybeans likely fall somewhere in between, and volatility is likely in 2024, according to Robobank. Well, it won't be long until USDA releases the next set of beef cow inventory numbers. Those 2024 numbers will likely be lower than January of 2023. Daryl Peel, a livestock marketing economist with Oklahoma State University, says the herd number will continue lower. I think it will. You know, the indications even coming into 2023 was that we would likely see some additional herd liquidation. As we've gone through the year and monitored heifer slaughter and cow slaughter through the year, I've actually sort of raised my forecast of how much we will drop on January 1. I think we'll see at least a 2% decrease in the beef cow herd going into 2024. In fact, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's more like two and a half percent. And that's going to be a very small number. I mean, this year's number was the smallest since the early 60s. This will take it down even a little bit lower than that. He says the numbers are down around lows that the U.S. hasn't seen in decades. A long, long time, exactly, since we've had a cow herd this small. And the thing is, we have not been saving any heifers. We didn't bring a very big pool of replacement heifers into this year. I think it's going to be as tight or even tighter going into 2024. So we're starting with a very low base, which means it's going to take a long time to rebuild this thing once we decide to try to rebuild it, and we're not doing that yet. A large number of U.S. beef producers may need to recover financially before they begin to rebuild their herd sizes. A lot of producers are just financially challenged right now. We've been in a lot of drought. We've had high input costs, high feed costs the last couple of years. And so uh, they really need in the short run, the first priority is to kind of heal up a little bit, take advantage of this market before they think about what comes after that. That's Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. While the Congressional and Senate Chicken Caucuses sent letters to the USDA asking for a 180-day extension to the implementation period for the new Packers and Stockyards Act rule, the rule titled Transparency in Poultry Contracting and Tournaments included a 75-day compliance period when it was published in the Federal Register on November 28th. That put the compliance date for broiler and processing companies on February 12th of 2024. The House letter says, quote, the rule establishes numerous additional disclosure requirements, what provisions must be in contracts, introduces open-ended and novel definitions and terms, requires completely new oversight systems, and injects significant ambiguity regarding compliance, end quote. Now, the lawmakers requested USDA extend the implementation date by no less than 180 days to allow stakeholders and constituents time to thoroughly understand and comply with the rule's many requirements. They say by providing only 75 days to implement the rule, USDA significantly underestimated the time required for implementation. With support from USDA and the American Lamb Board, the U.S. Meat Export Federation held a seminar showcasing U.S. lamb for importers and distributors throughout Mexico. Gary Pfeiffer, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Superior Farms, shares his thoughts on the seminar. 
It was a terrific event that the team in Mexico put together. So we're really excited to be able to participate in the event. Uh, the event was held at the El Cielo Winery in the, the wine region of Ensenada, Mexico. So it was just a beautiful setting and had distributors and uh, influencers from throughout Mexico that uh, came in for the event. You know, started off with a, a seminar and a demonstration. Each of the uh, representatives from, from the U.S., uh, we gave a presentation about American lamb on our company and our products, which was really well received and we got a lot of good questions. And then from there we had a you know terrific lunch and then really spent the afternoon networking with uh, the different uh, distributors throughout Mexico. Pfeiffer was especially impressed with the turnout of buyers representing Mexico's food service sector. Mexico has always been an important export destination for us. But, you know, for us, what was really exciting about it was this really introduced us to a lot more distributors and most importantly, a much better understanding of the uh, food service scene in Mexico. So for us, that's where we see our greatest growth potential after our discussions and, you know, talking about our products and seeing the quality of it and understanding more about uh, what their needs are and what our capabilities are. There's certainly an opportunity for growth throughout Mexico with American lamb. And you can learn more online at usmef.org. All right, we're out of time here on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us. Coming up tomorrow, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next.